You're listening to Mommy's Happy Hour, a show about all things motherhood related. I'm Hippa Shunbo, and I'm joined every other Wednesday by mothers and friends to talk about our journey as parents. Because I expected motherhood to be nothing less than the most perfect, happy at all times journey, and boy was I wrong. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Iman, dialing in all the way from Saudi Arabia. Last time I hung out with her was back in 2006 during my three-year stint in Saudi. The most exciting thing we did back then was walk around the mall, go grocery shopping, and occasionally go out with our husbands for dinner and shisha. Iman and I were both married at the time, and she had already had her two older children by then. Over the years, we kept in touch, just checking in on each other and the big headlines in our lives. However, in more recent years, with Instagram in full swing, I get to follow her life more closely. And let's just say I was pleasantly surprised at some of the pictures. Clearly, a lot has changed since I left in 2006. Saudi seems to have opened up quite a bit, but I was curious to know the extent of how much it has opened up. She's now single and co-parenting with her ex. We discuss honestly what it was like to get a divorce after so many years together, the impact it's had on her children and her parenting choices, how it's affected her personal and social life, and what it's really like to be a divorced woman with children in Saudi, a clearly patriarchal society. Is it more socially acceptable now? And of course, it wouldn't be complete if I didn't ask her about her dating life. I'll tell you something. For me, the difference between when I was living there, when I was living in Saudi with you in 2003, to the pictures I see you post now on Instagram, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? When I was when I when I first ran into you in 2004 in Saudi in Khobar, you were pregnant with your first son. That's right. And I was wow. there when you when you were pregnant and you delivered. Salma. Crazy. That is insane. Our our idea of going out was like going to the family section for lunch. I don't remember where now because that's oh like 16 God. years ago. It was so, to me, for me coming from Cairo, to me, it was like the twilight zone. It was so conservative compared to Egypt. So I remember, so then when recently I saw like you posting pictures, I was like, wow, it, it, there's been some transformation. Absolutely. I think it, not only that, I think, I think, we were in the, I don't know. I felt like I'm looking at it from my perspective. I was like in a twilight zone. I was in a place where I felt, or I put myself in a, in a, in a, a place where I thought I should be. I think it was so much, cause I'm very, I'm very vulnerable a little bit and I'm, I'm easily controlled. And sometimes I just do things to myself where I, where I think it was the right thing to do. So I, I, I thought coming back, I had to live a certain lifestyle being married, I had to live a certain lifestyle. There's so much expectation. I was, and nobody actually really pressured me. It's just like, that's what I thought was the right thing to do. And this has always been around, you know, this whole life and people out going out and stuff. But I think we were, I was in a, in a bubble that was so far away from that. And it was just not part of my life, even though when we were, when I was back in Cairo, I mean, I was full of life and I'd love to, be, I loved going out and partying and socializing and doing whatever. And it's so weird because I feel like I went back in time and that's where I am. It's different, different place, different, you know, obviously different age group. Well, we have to say that I guess you were living in Cairo, but you're Saudi. So, yeah, so maybe that was what it was. You felt like that you had to 
how did you marry your husband? I know that it was it was more traditional, wasn't it? It was kind of how did you get to know him? Um, what made you get married? Yeah. So basically, what you're saying that is that you kind of when you went back to Saudi, you basically went into the role that you ex- that you that you thought people expected of you, or just like kind of the That's social right. norm. That's right, and it was eyes on me, right? It was you know the whole family. You know, they came back. Iman is back to Saudi. Everybody was, you know, everybody was watching Iman. Everybody's, you know, watching what's her next move. How is she gonna? How is she gonna um, adapt to the society? How is she gonna do this? And, how, and so I came in and I felt like I was sucked into this, this expectation that I had in my head, and I had to follow it. Nobody actually pressured me. I come from a very, you know, I, my parents are pretty easygoing. They're laid back. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was arranged and, you know, I, he was the only person I knew, honestly, and he was a good guy worked out, you know, it was just the right thing to do as part of that package. Right. And, uh, and I, I just got married and it was like, eyes on a man. Oh, wow. Look at her. She just came from back, came back, you know, came from Cairo and graduated from this university and, um, you know, wow, look at her, she's getting married and it's, Mashallah, everything is working just fine for her, right? So it was that expectation. And it just, I felt like I was taking the right steps throughout the whole thing. And then I moved to the Eastern province and it was like, oh, look at Iman. She moved to the Eastern province. Look at her. And it's just like, it was ongoing, but it wasn't me. Yeah, because you both, did you live in Riyadh? Did your ex-husband now, did he live in Riyadh at the time too? No. And your family lives there too. No, I just moved to the Eastern province. And it was supposedly at the time, it was like, you know, the cool place to be, right? Anybody wanted to meet, leave Riyadh. Riyadh was like the conservative place. And so it was like, oh, look at a man. Now she's moving to, you know, the Eastern province. Look, her life is just perfect. Everything's working just fine. Yeah, you're living life dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I saw you in 2004, I was like, whoa, this place is happening. <laughs> I was like, I had a culture shock. Oh my God. How do you think I felt? Like, even though I was, I, I, I am Saudi, but it was, and I used to come to visit, but visiting is very different, right? Yeah. And um, and then suddenly it's like, you know, and then marriage, and then it was just like expected. The next step, it was so, so set up. It was, it was not, it was a bit, <laughs> I don't know if it was healthy or not healthy, it was the right thing, but so far everything is great now. I mean, I look back at it and it was like, it was meant to be, it is what it is now that, you know, I'm happy about. Yeah, because I don't know if I should say this, but I know you you guys were fine when you when when I was there, and you, so you when I was there in two thousand four, mm-hmm. you had been married for probably at least a year then, right? Yes. Okay, and then you had your son, and then you had your daughter two years later, right? And then right. I remember there were it became a little bit rocky, and how was that? You know, in every relationship, you know there there. The, I mean, everybody has some kind of input in every relationship. If it falls apart, it's because everybody put an input, you know, a little bit of whatever. Yeah, I always find there's like, it takes two to tango. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think even though, you know, I didn't seem it, but I think deep inside there was something off. You know, the whole marriage was off. He was a great guy. He tried. um, He tried as much as he knew. And I think I, I was putting so much pressure on myself for so long 
to fill to fulfill those expectations for everybody, whether it's for my family, whether it's for the society, whether it's the what I thought should. And I had the picture perfect life. I have to say something yeah. because I knew you from Cairo and I didn't know you super well. I wasn't very close to you, but I knew yeah. you well. I remember thinking you seemed so pulled together and like you have such a strong character and so like not nobody's going to mend you. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. So I really, really admired you for that. I felt like you seemed to have a very good head on your shoulders and you knew what you wanted. But I guess maybe you're talking about it's more like you kind of went with the flow of the expectations from other people. Absolutely. It's, and especially I think especially my parents, my dad. I just didn't want to let anybody down. And then it was still always embedded, you know, being our, our culture, you know, it was embedded that you, whatever you do will not only affect you, but it's going to affect the whole reputation, the family, your dad, and don't let anybody down. So I always wanted to make sure everything was put properly. And I, it, and it looked per- picture perfect, but I think that kind of overflowed with me and I started becoming very bitter and then you become bitter to the closest people to you and the people that could take it. And I think that's what, honestly, I think that rocked everything. Um, and it wasn't anybody's fault, but it just became very toxic. There weren't fights or anything, but it, you can tell things were not working out. And we were, we started having our, you know, moving our separate ways, just, you know, with the gap kept getting bigger and bigger because it was too negative to be around each other. And with time that gap got really, really big, which led obviously to a separation. And it was a peaceful separation because we could not do it any longer. And it was very toxic and in order to live, we're still young and we have so much opportunities. We can start all over again. And somebody had to take that jump. And one of us did. And I think it was the best thing it will ever done for, for each other. And how did he, how was, how was it for him? Like in terms of, was it very difficult for him to wrap his head around him getting divorced? Because I know in Saudi, you can also, he can also get married a second time if he wants. So was that an issue for you? Is that an issue? Was it an issue for him to get a divorce? Yeah, it was, to be honest with you, I wanted to, to get a divorce years before that. But it's taboo, right? In our society, it's, it's, it's frowned upon. It's not something people encourage. And definitely my dad did not encourage me. And, you know, he just, you know, nobody took me seriously. Years later, when I, I knew I had to put my foot down, it was just, that's it. I um, remember calling my dad and I was like, listen... I need this over and done with. Otherwise, I'll find somebody else to do it. Basically, a lawyer or something like that. And I explained my whole situation to my dad and where we stand right now. And this cannot go any longer. And I remember he did come and um, he basically talked to him. And he knew deep inside that would be the right thing. But, you know, you know, sometimes the ego comes in and you just... You can, you can self-sabotage yourself because of your ego, right? And he didn't take it well. And it's hard. Divorce is not very easy for people. But I think for me, in my head, I was gone a long time ago. And it just felt like that was a natural thing to do. It was not, it was not very easy for him. He, he, he still wanted to hold on and try his best. But it was, I think it was a little too late. Um, and um, 
And I think, uh, I think, and he, he honestly, because our relationship with his relationship with my dad and my dad with him and all together, it was nothing but the uttermost respect. And it was just, it was difficult at the moment to grasp, uh, that whole situation for him, but he never made it difficult on me. People, some people, some people's divorce takes years. Uh, mine took a week. And we got everything done and agreed on everything and everybody went on their separate way. So it was a very, very peaceful. Uh, and you didn't feel bad at all? You weren't like slightly upset about it? No. no. <laughs> okay, so tell me, what, what, what were your expectations? Like, what, what, is it, what was it that you went into marriage thinking, hoping for? And what is it that you didn't get that you then felt like you needed to get a divorce? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like, because also I'll say, I know that you, you, I know you wanted to get divorced before that. And then you had a third child. And so you guys stayed longer together. Is that correct? That is true. So, so it's like an eight year age gap between my daughter and my last son. And I thought, because we moved from that apartment, we moved to a new house. And I remember, cause I tried everything. We all both tried everything. And we thought maybe, you know, if we moved to a different you know, we bought a house and maybe we can start all over again. And then unfortunately his dad was, um, was got really sick and he was dying. And then, so, you know, you give excuses and you're like, Oh, maybe, you know, he's not, we're not helping each other. He's going through a lot. And I, you know, I don't wish it for anybody to go through what he went through losing his dad. It was very, very sad. And we, you know, we tried to stick together and, his dad passed away and I was by his side and he, you know, he just tried to, you know, move on with life. And we, you know, had a third child and we called him, you know, like his dad's name and, and things were, were kind of got better. And I think, uh, you know, after a while, it's just still not there. Like something was always off from day one. I got to admit it was from day one. So what um, was it that you were expecting and what was it that you were hoping for that you, that, that really kind of broke that marriage? I, I don't know. I think, you know, you, you, I, it was hard to get out of it. That's one. It, it, again, it's the expectation. Oh, what are they going to say? She's, she's, she's divorced. And I remember my parents didn't make it easy on me. They're like, you want to be divorced? What are you going to do the rest of your life? Who's going to help you with these children? What if he takes his, these children and you never see them again? And what if, and you know what I mean? And they give you all these scenarios, but they never give you that one scenario like, you know what, maybe it, it's healthier and it's better for you and you can find somebody else and you can move on and have a second chance. Nobody thinks that way, right? So it was, and I, and you try everything, just everything, but there was the core meaning of marriage that I was missing, which is connection. I didn't, I liked the guy. He was great, but there was never a connection between us. There was nothing meaningful, nothing to hold on to, no similarities, nothing in common, nothing to talk about. We would just be nice to each other. And, you know, they tell you, well, what time you're in, you know, you'll get used to them and love them and it's all that stuff. And I'm like, no. It's not there after, you know, 13 no, years. So it's not working. It's not coming. <laughs> Never coming. Yes. So, I mean, um, I definitely learned so much. You kind of know what you want, what you want, what you don't want anymore, right? I, I think mean, as you get older too, like as, you know, as a woman, you get older, you know what you don't want. 
So because you know what you, you don't want this, then you know what you want. Do you know what I mean? It's like you kind of figure out what Absolutely. you want through knowing what you don't want. Absolutely. I think, I think unfortunately, because our society is so conservative to a certain extent, I mean, we've come a long way, right? And, and I heard this with a friend of mine. She's like, it's, I don't know if this is the right thing to, you know, within, within our society, we don't have this whole dating thing. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And the core understanding of it is very difficult, right? People do it for fun, but actually dating could be so important because you get to meet people and you have these opportunities to put a list of what you want, what you don't want. And hopefully you scratch out the things you don't want and you know what you want eventually. And that person will come along. But because we have such a conservative society, it's not easy to do that. So, you know, a good guy that comes along, uh, you know, he has a steady salary, a good position. His income is pretty good. He seems like a decent guy. They ask about him. He's got a good reputation. or, a, And that's it. That's more than enough. Right. And then they marry you off and you're like, well, what do you want? He's giving you everything. You've got a house. You've got the kids. You've got a ceiling. You've got whatever the money. Why are you, you know, whining? But, you know. Yeah, you've got food. Like, well, you've got a house. You have no connection. You don't like you don't have good yeah. chemistry with him. But who gives a shit Absol- about that? I mean, no, that they don't care because they don't see it. You know, they only see that, that or show. Right. Your kids look amazing. You know, but then again, you're working. You're making sure your kids look good. They go to the best school. But it's all your effort, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like when you look at things like that, like as basic needs and it's important, some people look at it as, you know, you don't have to put them in a private school, just so put them in a public school. But I want to put, I can, why not? And so you got different mentalities and, you know, and, it, and you end up clashing. But I got to admit, he did try for so long to kind of adapt to to us and my side of the family and try to but after a while he got tired it was overwhelming and that's when you lose that interest after a while I can't blame him he comes from a different background and I tried to adapt and I couldn't I couldn't after a while to be that perfect picture wife and mother and and you know it was it was exhausting because you're not being yourself I think that's what it is with midlife crisis you reach a certain age where you, you know, obviously with experience and maturity and stuff like that, and you, and it kind of, it's like a slap on the face. You're like, wait a minute, this is not what I want. Yes, I've been doing it for the last maybe 20 years or 15 years, but am I really happy? Is this what I really want? And that's why you see people, they go through these phases. And I think it's because they can't do this any longer. And they know who they truly are and they, they, they go, you know, you, you grow up and, and you, you, you can tolerate so much. And then you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I think yeah. it's every person's right. You have the right to make that choice. I know it, it sounds selfish, but. No, 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 I completely agree. I think, I think like you said, in, in Egypt and, you know, Saudi Arabia is the same and in, in, in the Middle East in general, the families are so intertwined in your relationship and marriage with, with, with your, with your husband. And it becomes very difficult to separate the two. And so a lot of the times you confuse whether you're with this person for the right reason or with this person for other like exterior factors because you know the external factors here at work very hard like you said like if there's any issue between you and your husband god forbid anybody catch wind because they're gonna give you so much that like all everybody will think like 
worst, the, we always think worst case scenario here, right? So they're like, right. oh my God, are you guys arguing? Is this, uh, what's going on? And like everybody freaks out. And at the same time, like you said, it's like, it's just, sometimes it's just a passing thing. And then sometimes it's like, you know, you don't have time to really think what it is that you want because you have so many people just interfering in your business and like, right. don't do this, don't do that. You're going to regret it. But yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, also I think we both kind of got married the first time young. I got, I was married mm -hmm. young too. And when you're younger, you kind of get caught up in that a little bit easier, obviously, than when you're older. When you're older, yeah. you, you know what it is that you want and what you don't want. So you kind of yeah. can put that barrier. In your 20s, you probably can't as easily. But it, it is tough. It is tough in the Middle East to be able to hold that distance with your family and tell them, no, no, this is what I want. Yeah. Well, un unfortunately, it's only now that I actually was able to do that at the age of 40. You know what I mean? Or 39 when I got divorced or whatever. Um, it took me that long. My sister, though, who's 10 years younger than I am, has never fallen in that trap. Is she married? Oh, yeah. She's married and with a daughter and knock on wood. You know, she it, she she learned from my and she does say it. She's like, I n never want to be you. <laughs> and um. And I'm so proud of her. And I tell her, I tell her this all the time because I saw the whole marriage, arranged marriage bullying sort of thing, you know, my dad pressuring her and all that stuff. But she never let that go. And she never gave into that. And she she made sure she takes her time choosing the right. And and knock on wood, she she she's done it all. And it's great. That's but I think being the eldest as well, and I was always very vulnerable when it comes to my parents. Like I can't say no, which is, you know, yeah. but it's only now that I actually kind of know I'm, you know, I'm, yes, I got a divorce. I'm not moving back to Riyadh. I'm staying where I am. This is where my job is. I'm an independent woman and I've got kids and I'll take care of them. It is what it is. How is that? So now you're, you're okay. So you're living on your own and your ex-husband, do you co-parent with him? Do you how how do you do that? And like, how has your parenting style changed? Well, I mean, let's, you know, the kids are, you know, sometimes turning 16, Salma's turning, you know, she's 13. So they're old enough to understand what's going on. And, and so obviously me and my, you know, how it is in Saudi, you get a divorce, you don't really communicate with your, with your ex-husband. And if he has anything, he can talk to my dad or whatever. So we don't communicate, but Luckily, there's a lot of respect. So the kids do what they need to do. They go and hang out with their dad on the weekends. Um, they stay with me. We're very, very flexible. Um, no pressure, whatever, you know, he wants to do with the kids. He can have them. I do the same. Um, um, and, and that's it. I mean, there's really not much issues. So it's, it's been it's easy, very, relatively. It's been super easy. Okay, it's been so, I'm so grateful. Yeah, I think, I think, um, and it, it's better for both of us, right? There's, there's no purpose. I mean, we do, issues come here and there, but there's nothing that I can't handle. And, and, and raising these kids, luckily I'm blessed with, with good kids. They're raised well, they are mature for their age. They, you know, and we never made it difficult on them. They've never seen us argue or yell or fight. That's, that's never been, that has never happened. And so even when we got the divorce, I remember so funny because they love going to Starbucks. So I took them to Starbucks and I had to sit there and explain it to them. This was like about what, four years ago or something. 
and I and they had to understand what was going on. And it was more of a question answer sort of thing. I mean, uh, you know, you know how like it was basically, you know, you, you, me and your dad, do you guys see us hang out together often? They'd be like, no. Do you guys see us ever going out to dinner or anything? They're like, no. I'm like, you know, sometimes marriage doesn't work. Da, 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 da. And, um, and they, so the, it was more of not giving them the news. It's just for them to understand where it's coming from. And, and then I started telling them all the benefits they'll have. I'm like, look at that. Now you're going to have two houses and you can spend time with me sometimes or spend with their, with their, your dad sometimes. And, you know, you get two bonuses of everything. Wow. And it was just that's like, a lot of bribing. Um, <laughs> it was, and it was, you know, and it worked. And honestly, these two don't have a problem with the whole thing. I think to them, it came out, it, it came very smooth. Hopefully you never know what's going on in their head. Selma for a while would, um, cause her dad was working in Riyadh for months. So he would, he would, um, come see him for a weekend and then he would have to leave to Riyadh. So she would get emotional when it came to that. But generally now it's been breeze. It's been great for all of them. So I do a lot of the raising and the schooling and all that stuff. He does all the fun stuff. So he's a cool dad. I'm of the course, don't mom, they all but, do um, that? <laughs> and, and it's been great. I think it's been it's been okay on them. Luckily, hopefully we'll find out when the, when they're, when they're older, older if they're in then, therapy yeah. or not, <laughs> hopefully not. Now the little one, I don't know what to do with that one. I he still doesn't understand what's going on. How old is he now? Well, he's five. Oh my God. He's young. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he was older. No, he's a little booger. He's, he's five. He's just, he's still in KG. Oh my God, that age. I mean, this is such a cute age. I find it so adorable. I know. Oh, just give him one more year. And you can, I mean, he just, he's so talkative and uses all these big words and he uses them all wrong. And he's just so cute. He's just like, honestly, keeps us alive. He really does. The little one is just like, it's like the garnish of the house. It is cute. It's so cute. Yeah. And so how is, uh, are you, uh, are you now dating Saudi? Has it changed that much? Are you guys drinking and dating now or no? (laughs) (laughs) That stuff has always been around. (laughs) I mean, everything is available. Of course. I mean, I, I live, I'm in a society bear in mind. I was, I was always raised outside of Saudi. So I'm always like the outcast, right? And I'm not an expat. I'm always the Saudi. So I'm kind of in between, which is fine because you can get away with murder and nobody could, you know, hold anything against you. And, 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 and it works just fine for me, but I do, um, I do hang out with all, I mean, the diversity that's, that's in the Eastern province and in Saudi in general, actually is amazing. you've got people from all over the world. Right. And again, my dad was a diplomat, so it's just easier for me to mingle with all different nationalities. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, dating opportunities are open. Um, and you name it, everything is, is have in you dated anybody like interesting? Um, you don't really have time for bullshit when you're at this age, you know what I mean? Um, but it doesn't mean you can't, you know, be out and about and meet people. I definitely go out and meet people all the time and, and, uh, you never know, you know, you never say never. Right. So for now we're single, right? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if marriage is, you know what? Sometimes I think marriage is not really for everybody. 
I mean, it's like, I love being a mom. I would not take that away, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm capable of actually being a good wife. I don't know if I want to do that again. It's like, it's like getting a, you know, a master's degree. Not everybody needs it. No, never, everybody wants to get it. And not everybody wants like studying or going to school. Yeah, I think marriage is, is, is just good for people and not for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, and I don't see how, I hope, my husband doesn't hear this, but I don't see how marriage can last forever. It just feels like sometimes it's like it's a lot of work sometimes. It's a lot of work, especially in the beginning, because it's like building a business. You're creating something from scratch that should last your lifetime, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's hard. And it's, it's one building block at a time because every marriage has phases, and you've got the, when you're first settling in and then having, you know, children and maybe investment in, in a house or whatever, and kind of it's, it, you're, you're actually building, building one thing after this so it can last a lifetime. Sometimes you can build it on your own and yeah. then find a partner that could, that could get you guys together and then live happily ever after. Right. And everybody has their own journey to do that. It doesn't have to be A, B, C, D. And that's what I think messed up my marriage or my understanding about marriage is because is because I had the whole A, B, C, D kind of plan. Yeah. Plus, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, my image about, and that's, oh, that's really important thing. Image about marriage sometimes comes from where you come from or your family and what you see, what you're taught and what you're brought up seeing. I wasn't, you know, my dad did everything for us. So my dad, my mom was a stay at home, you know, mom, she cooked and cleaned and took care of us where my dad did everything. And we counted on, you know, on him to do everything. And we were extremely spoiled. So when I got married, it was like the other way around. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist a little bit and control freak. So that wasn't, that wasn't good. And so I wanted things to be done the way I what I know, the way, the way we had to live, you know, how I lived with my parents. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I think that that exhausted me as well. So I was doing everything the way I thought should be. I, I should have laid, you know, laid back a little bit and had him take, take control of it. But he also liked the fact that I was doing everything. So it was just a vicious circle. So what is your biggest insecurity about motherhood and how do you deal with it? I think uh, quality over quantity, that quality time over quantity, I think I don't, I have a lot of time with them, but it's not, not much quality in it. I, I'm really bad at that. I don't have the patience to sit with children and play with them and talk to them. <laughs> I'm like more of a do this, do that kind of parent. And I know, and I try really hard. And, and that's the thing about their dad. That's really, really good. Cause he knows them. He's good with quantity, no quality. And I'm kind of more of a quantity person. I guess we balance each other out, but yeah, that's my insecurity. Like I, I need to spend more better time with them. I totally understand what you mean. Cause I was just thinking about the other day. I'm, I'm very good at like the, the things that you need to do, like yeah. in the morning when they're up, I'm with them. Um, the food, I figure out what they're going to do, eat, 
you know, what I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, what they're going to wear, like buy their clothes. I get all these things, but to sit there and to like, just, you know, I can read a book with them, but sometimes it's like, I can't just sit there for like hours playing something with them. I, I can't, I just don't have the patience and yeah. I have a million things going on. So I feel like such a bad parent sometimes. I was like, I wish I could just sit for like an hour and do something just with them. Mm-hmm. I don't have time. It's like, I don't have the patience for it either. Me neither. Can't play a board game. Can't do that. And, and I, and it, I can, it still echoes in my head. Mommy, why don't you play with us? I just don't know. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Which is sad. No, I think, I think, like you said, I think it's, you know, some mothers can do like the basic stuff. I mean, that's why it's good to have two, right? So you kind of like complete each other in that sense. Um, for me, Hazem mm. has more patience too. I think fathers yeah. in general have more patience with these kind of things. Maybe because they're not doing the little things. Yeah. Those little yeah, things probably. can drive you crazy, right. by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So that's probably it. Well, that, that's it. Actually, I was going to ask you a couple more questions, but I think that one ended well. But I don't think there needs to be any more. <laughs> right. So, it uh, hit the like, spot. Exactly the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Both of us were like speechless. We're like, God damn it. Yeah, my God, it's true. But it's true, you know, because it's like just crazy how it's true. I feel so bad. I feel so bad about these little things. I know. I know. And, and, and you know what, Heba? You will be so surprised how fast they grow, right? And I look at Sultan now and I'm like, uh, shave your mustache. <laughs> you're and uh, Selma, you're like, oh my God, maybe you need to start wearing a bra. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and I still, in my head, there's still those little babies and I still have pictures of them. And I look and I'm like, how did this go by so fast? And I didn't have enough time. So I try to put everything on the little one and try to enjoy him as much as possible. And that's why he's a spoiled brat. Unlike those two. Remember Selma Sultan, I would, I, he, they were so responsible. I would, <laughs> I was so young at the time too. I'd give him the remote because I used to sleep early because I used to go to work. And I'd be like, whenever you guys are done, he was, he was like three and she was like one or something. And I used to sleep super early. And I'd, I'd give him the remote and say, just close the TV when you're done and go to bed. I don't know where the nanny was. I don't know what they did or what they didn't do, but they would close the TV and go to their beds and sleep. I mean, they're so responsible. I think that made my life so much easier with these kids until this day. They're so easy to control and deal with. And I'm just blessed when it comes to that. But the little one, I don't know. We'll figure it out. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy your kids as much as possible. Trust me. You think they're young now, but they grow up so fast. You know, I hated the first two years. I really didn't like it at all. I was like regretting it big time. But now after they turned two, it started to, I started to enjoy it. And now in the past few weeks, I find it so adorable. I absolutely love it. And I'm hoping that they don't grow too fast now. Yeah, no. Yeah. Enjoy them. I was very lucky when it comes to motherhood. I can't complain about motherhood because I had it easy. I was very blessed with a great job, great paying job. I was blessed with people who could help at the time. So I always had a nanny taking care of my kids. Um, my in-laws would kind of kind of support. Um, he was okay. So I, I never had an issue with having, you know, the kids and raising them. I always, I was, I'm very blessed and still am very blessed to the help and the support that I have. 
and it made that side of my life so much easier. I'm not saying it's perfect, but but I I never struggled. And but you have twins; it's double trouble. You know what I mean? It's not easy. Um, I had one one at a time, and they were good, simple, easy to take care of kids. They didn't cause me too much trouble, and I had wonderful nannies, and that that really makes. A difference. Yeah, I think it does because after when they turned a year and a half, I got a, a good nanny. But of course, I mean, it, take, it took me a while to get used to her. So yeah, probably like a year after that, that's when I kind of started to like be like okay, like you know, like kind yeah. of be okay with her around them without me there. So yeah, around yeah. that that's when they turned like between two and two and a half, then I was a little more comfortable. Yeah, no, I'm I'm comfortable at six months. Take my baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you've had three. I mean, I get, I get very, um, 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 attached to, to them when they're first born. And then I, I just need a few months and I get detached. It's just cause they're so small and, and my hormones are all over the place. So it's more of that motherly instinct. Like they're mine. Don't come anywhere near them. But yeah, just a few months. And then I just let them go. I'm like, take them. I don't want to see them. I need to get some sleep. Leave me alone. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I never really struggled. Luckily it's all good. Thanks for joining us this week on Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm Hippa Shanbo, and this episode was produced by Shirag Desai. You can connect with me and tell me more about all your motherhood stories on Instagram at Mommy's Happy Hour or Hippa Shanbo. And please don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts and IMDb. See you in two weeks.